0: We may not be so quick to admit it or acknowledge it, but every one of us cares about what other people think about us, what their opinion, what their judgment of us is. Again, we may not want to believe it, but we realize that we as a culture, as a society, are constantly judging and and being judged. We always have an opinion of how other people are acting or looking or how they are dressed And I suppose the key is to somewhere fall in the middle of that spectrum between an unhealthy concern about what other people think of us and totally, on the other end, being indifferent or aloof to it. Because either one of those is not going to to leave us in a good place. On the one hand, if you put too much emphasis, if you are overly concerned about other people's opinion or judgment of you, then your mood, your own emotions are going to ebb and flow on the basis of what other people say or think about you. So somebody else praises you, somebody else commends you, you are feeling great about yourself. On the other hand, when somebody else says something unkind, when somebody tears you down, then you are not feeling so great because you place so much uh, emphasis on somebody else's opinion or judgment of you. It's important to remember that that not even Jesus was popular with everybody. Even Jesus himself was not able to make his enemies like him. So if we uh, allow our moods or how we're feeling to be dependent completely on other people, then realize that you're placing your mood, your emotions, your feelings in the hands of somebody else and you have absolutely zero control over what other people say or do. On the other hand, we don't want to be so aloof or so indifferent to, to other people's opinions. We don't want to be uncaring. We don't want to lack any self or social awareness so that we just go through life because the perception of other people when you're that individual is that you are prickly, that you are, you are rude, that you're arrogant, that you only care about yourself and don't give any thought whatsoever to other people's opinions or judgment or, or how your actions might affect them. Now, we might, we might do a good job of hiding our concern about other people's opinions or judgment behind some uh, false bravado, but we all care about other people's opinions. And yet, that's not even the worst critic that we face. In fact, the harshest critic, most of us would agree, is probably ourselves. That even more so than other people's opinions, if you pay attention to the way that that you respond or think through or talk to yourself in your own head, you realize how critical you are, how judgmental you are of yourself. So you mess up and the first thing in your mind is, oh, big shocker, big surprise, I messed that up again. Oh, he or she would never like somebody like me. Oh, I'm, I'm never going to, to get that promotion. Somebody else is way more qualified than I am. And we are constantly tearing ourselves down, being our worst critic. Well, maybe with the exception of, of one, one more. And I, I suppose the most critical would be on the basis of, of when we crack open God's Word. And justifiably, So, because when we open God's word and we see very clearly what he expects of each and every one of us, we see that that his judgment of us, that we fall short, that we deserve nothing but hell, we see that that is very justified. And you've experienced this if you've ever been in a a season of life where you said, I want to grow, I want to push myself to to develop as as a Christian and and be more like so and so. I want to come across this passage that says, I want to be more forgiving, I want to be more patient. I want to be kinder toward other people. I want to treat them well. And you're excited, you're energized by that encouragement, and you're striving for it, and it's going along well, until it's not. Until the first time that you fail, and then the second time, and then the third time. And then you realize that very section of Scripture, the one that you were so drawn to, that you wanted to be, that you wanted to exude those characteristics, you wanted to embody them in your life, that very same section of Scripture, now you have an aversion to it. You aren't drawn to it anymore. You have a distaste for it in your mouth because it just has shown that you are not only failing at keeping that, but you are incapable of carrying that out to the degree that God calls you to. So there is no harsher judgment, no harsher critic than than God's law showing us how far apart, how wide that gap is between a holy, righteous God and fallen sinners like you and me. So when you consider all of that judgment that we face, the criticism of other people, the self-judgment, and even the justified judgment of God himself, how refreshing is Romans chapter 8. Verse 1. To hear the Apostle Paul write to you and me the assurance that he has from God himself, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the face of a a world, a culture that identifies itself as being judgmental, a, a cancel culture, Uh, that is is not shy to dig into people's past and find anything and everything that anybody has done wrong and and criticize and judge each other here you have these most comforting words hear them again therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus and i ask you as you hear that word those those verses that verse as you hear that do you find yourself saying boy That is so complex. I really need some theological expert. I need some Bible scholar or academic to please explain to me what that means. Absolutely not. It's profoundly simple. Very straightforward what God is telling to you and to me this morning. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Condemnation. Now those words are are refreshing. They breathe life into us all their own, but but even more so when you consider the source. Who is the one giving us this promise, this assurance this morning? It is God Himself. And I guarantee you that these words carry much more clout when they are coming from God than anybody else. Why? Because you and I know full well who at the end of the day is responsible for determining where we are going to spend eternity. Jesus made that clear in the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus warns us, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That is only God. The devil sometimes mistakenly receives credit for being a part of that process, but God is the only one who is going to determine where anybody and everybody spends eternity. So how beautiful is it that he has not kept his judgment a secret, that he has not kept it hidden, that he has made it abundantly clear that he does not want so much as a single soul to suffer in hell. And so he alone has made it possible through this declaration that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I suppose this section merits kind of one of those little disclaimers with the fine print. You know, you you look at the bottom and it says certain restrictions apply. And it's important to point that out because Paul does in writing this. Yes, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does that mean to be in Christ Jesus? Paul actually explains it earlier in his letter to the Romans. If you look in chapter 3, Verse 28, we maintain that a man is justified by faith, apart from observing the law, by faith in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ Jesus is to believe in him, to place your faith, your trust in him, and to do that alone. So contrary to sometimes what is, is taught or mistakenly believed, that because we have this blanket statement that there's no condemnation, sometimes you'll hear this message that, well, therefore, nobody needs to be afraid of hell. If, if God has made this declaration, then everybody gets to go to heaven no matter what because God is loving and God is gracious. Everybody goes to heaven. Hell is not even a real thing. Nothing that anybody needs to be afraid of. But that's not what Paul said. He said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you haven't checked the the forecast, the next couple of days might be wise to have an umbrella with you. And if it does rain, cats and dogs, as it does in San Diego or mists, if you want to avoid getting soaked or a little bit damp, then don't leave your umbrella in the car when it's raining. Take it with you. And then don't just take it with you, actually open it up. And then don't just open it up and then stand outside of it, but stand under that umbrella. And realize that as long as you're standing under that umbrella while it's raining, you will stay dry. If you step outside of that umbrella, you get wet. Pretty straightforward. So it is with condemnation. God promises us, you are in Christ, you are under Christ, no condemnation. You step outside of that, you step away from faith in Christ, you have every reason to be afraid because God has not promised no condemnation for those outside of Christ. Because Christ is the one who has made it possible. And furthermore, Christ is also the one that made it very clear by his own words that that is exactly what he wants for everybody. In, in perhaps one of what follows one of the most famous well-known verses in all of Scripture, John 3:16, Jesus himself, long before Paul ever wrote these words, said in Verses 17 and 18, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That was Jesus' will. That is Jesus' will. He didn't come into this world to judge and to condemn, but to save and to rescue. You know, sometimes that is the, the accusation that is, is given against Christians, that they're the most judgmental group that exists. And to our shame, sometimes we do act that way. We are, seem to be more concerned with policing others or pointing out sin in the world instead of recognizing that's not why Jesus came first and foremost. And we ought to at least at some point in our life reflect the same thing that Jesus did, that he didn't come to condemn, but to save, to rescue to give words of life and hope and peace and joy. And the list goes on and on. If that's what Jesus came for, it stands to reason that that is the message that people would be very aware of from those followers of Jesus, from you and me. That his desire is that we would proclaim and preach a message of no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's one little more word in in that verse. Verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. And it's a powerful one. The word now. Right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not at some point in the future if certain conditions are met. Not for a little bit in the past, when you were living your best life, when you really measured up and and you were running on all cylinders doing the the Christian thing that you know God wants you to do, and, and only then. But Paul says right now, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the beautiful thing about the word now is it's always now, isn't it? Right now is now. In five minutes from now, it's going to be now. And the same truth will be true that you will stand not condemned if you are in Christ Jesus. Now tell me that that assurance, that confidence doesn't change your life. To know that now covers all of the bases. Now is always. Now means that I don't have to live in fear of where I stand before God. Judgment does not terrify me. Death, I'm not afraid of it because I don't stand condemned. And so now I live differently. You can't help but live differently. Paul described that later in Romans chapter 8 in verse 5. He said, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. When you know and believe that you stand right now not condemned before God, that changes your mindset and your heart and your approach to life. You are less concerned about what your sinful, selfish heart wants and more concerned about what God wants. Not because you have to or you got to, but because you get to in freedom. And when your mind is set on what the Spirit wants, you stand out in this world. Yes, sometimes awkwardly as a Christian. That's okay. But also, other times, in a way that is very attractive to an unbelieving world. Because what is the world used to seeing? Individuals, people who are most concerned with doing what serves their best interests, their self-interests. They're more concerned with chasing after their own desires. What is best for them? So when you, instead, by God's grace, knowing that you stand not condemned before God, when you are more concerned about aligning your actions, your your will, the way that you speak and treat others with the Spirit, that looks different. So in the workplace, when you know that because you stand not condemned before God, and you are more concerned with, with working in the workplace according to how God would have you serve as an employee, your coworkers notice there's something different about that worker. When you, in your community, in your neighborhood, when you treat your neighbors differently, not selfishly to get something from them or to avoid them or to ignore them, but when you are the neighbor who, who treats and loves their neighbor, meeting their needs, that's a neighbor everybody wants. When you, in your marriage, as a husband and a wife, you you don't go into that arrangement selfishly to get something out of it, but to serve and to love your spouse selflessly, I don't care how much they might deny it, the unbelieving world finds that kind of marriage attractive. So when we live and are more concerned with our mindset and our lives, keeping in step with the Spirit, being more mindful of what He wants, That's very attractive. And the goal, of course, is not that that would then give you a pedestal or a platform to puff up yourself for self-promotion to look even better in the midst of the world, but rather would give you an ear to be able to tell others why you are like that. Because quite simply, you know and believe there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And dear friends, when you have their ear when they are attracted to what is different about you because you have that confidence, that fearlessness, then you have an opportunity to point them to the fact that they too have a Savior who has crushed condemnation for them. Amen.